0: What is Moxie? Can I order that on Amazon? Or is it more of a nature versus nurture type of thing? In today's episode, our special guest, Kurt Jacobs, shares his incredible journey on what Moxie is and how we are all created for purpose. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. And after listening to his amazing story and you want to hear more incredible stories from other amazing leaders, then head on over to the Lima dot com. We are a proud partner with the Lima Charlie Network.
1: Yo, what's up everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a Firestarter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me and joining the Firestarters book project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Jay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise.
0: Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out our new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, feel free to connect with me on all the social media links, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And today, our guest is the amazing and outstanding Kurt Jacobs. So welcome to the show, Kurt.
2: Hey, thank you for having me, Shay. Thank you.
0: And Kurt and I just met literally moments ago. I can already tell that this is going to be an uh, incredible conversation because his passion exudes through the camera. So I can't (laughs) wait. Can't wait. So thank you for being here, Kurt.
2: I hope it's worth the wait.
0: (laughs) Of course it is. Of course it is. Okay. okay. And and I'm happy to announce that I am the first one who gets to interview you. So thank this you. This is for- correct.
2: Yes. It's in a uh, formal setting, if you will. Virtual setting. Yes. It's, uh, it's a turn of the screw or however they say it. And it's <laughs> flipped around.
0: Well, I am honored that I get to yeah. to be that one. So thank you.
2: No worries. Thank you. <laughs>
0: And for those of you who don't know, Kurt Jacobs is the creator, host, and producer of Moxie Talk with Kurt Jacobs. This multimedia talk show gives an intimate look in today's most inspiring individual's courage, character, and defining moments. From a young age, Kurt was captivated by the power of story. It began with relationships, chance encounters that led to deep friendships and unlikely mentors who taught him what it means to embrace the wonder of being a human being. He has shared his uh, uh, passion for storytelling digitally over for over 16 years, and you can find out more about him at MoxieTalk.com. So, Kurt, I always... I cannot wait to to just jump in here so mm-hmm. I always like to start off with the first question of what does sure. investing in people mean to you.
2: Well, I mean the, the probably the obvious thing is to 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 find the good in everyone. You know, I believe we're we're all multi-layered and you know, if anyone says they're all Pollyanna or they're all a bad person, look at a baby in a room with other babies. They're all <laughs> hopefully fairly nice to each other whatever we do as we grow and evolve. My point is we all have good and bad and ugly sides to our personalities. So, for example, the team I created uh, for Moxie Talk, uh, I had a philosophy of, and and I'm sure it's a debatable one, where I siloed, so to speak, everyone on the team. So if I had a graphic designer, I had one graphic designer. I had a web designer. I had a video production person. So I didn't have the drama, for lack of a better word that can often happen in a creative process where two people are doing the same kind of work and they're trying to to win the ball or creative stuff more important. And so I eliminated all that. The little bit of a downside of that is is if one of them, for whatever reason leaves and and goes to do something else, you've got to replace them. So there's was a little bit of downtime, but I found that to be very effective. So that's more on the back end of it. On the front end of it, when I created Moxie Talk, I was doing it just to document, just as a small word, I was doing it to document the stories of these really uh, extraordinary life journeys that people have had. You know, for example, governors, former governors, Miss Americas, NCAA winning coaches. You know, that's on the inspirational aspect of it to the darker side of the human journey, former prostitutes that have become born-again Christians, people that have devoted their life to getting homeless people off the street. I mean, it's just uh, remarkable, the, the tapestry of, of, of the guest library I've been able to create. But what I found in time as, as, it, as the show matured and got some age on it, if you will, is that it became a mentoring opportunity. Mm -hmm. for the generation coming up so they were watching it in Mm -hmm. fact our largest cohort is 25 to 34 years of age so they may or may not be college educated but they're at least adults and you know you're asking yourself why are they so intrigued or watching these excuse me moxie talks or interviews and i've only concluded that it has to be mentoring
3: Mm -hmm. you know
2: they're looking at what Shay or kurt or whatever the guest's name might be, has done right or wrong in their lives and how they've overcome. I'm have kind of, i going to write a book about this. We all say we're going to write a book one day, but I've got an idea in my mind that we're all... I don't really know how I'm going to lay it out, but very quickly, <clears throat> in broad strokes, we're all born with a deck of cards is what I kind of like. I hate to liken human existence to a poker, but... <clears throat> <laughs> You know, we're all born either beautiful or ugly, you know, stupid or smart, you know, sexual orientation, wealth, wealthy or poor, you know, we're, and, and a lot of those things are static in a lot of ways. You know, you're given these set of cards at birth where you're born in the world, like go on and on. And how, you, you know, you could give the same set of cards to two different human beings and one would play it one way and one would play it the other, whether they even knew they were doing that. And then you get into the whole another layer of, you know, success is in the eye of the beholder. It's so not like beauty. You know, success to <clears throat> some people is raising eight beautiful children and making them productive citizens in the world. To another guest, it could be starting a company with three people. And now it's got 500 employees and makes X millions of dollars in sales a year. And I could go on and on starting a nonprofit, whatever. So that's kind of the longer answer yeah. to a simple question of investing in people. So.
0: Well, it's not a simple question. That's just it. Mm-hmm. So I love how you really went. You really went into the multi-dimensional and the layers of what investing in people really looks like. So let me just recap. What I heard is that you are not a um, micromanager, and you really have developed a, a culture in your company to be able to set your 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 team up for success and to collaborate rather than to compete. Right. And I think there's a lot of cultures out there that they almost like Betty, like bet against each other kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So you've really, you know, set up a beautiful culture for your company to really be able to thrive in -hmm. their own creativity. So I love that you shared that. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
0: And then, you know, you're really, (laughs) this is, this is why we're brought together. That's all I can say. Your moxy talk, <laughs> your moxy talks are, are very similar to this show. And it's really about mm-hmm. finding those inspirational stories, not because, oh, we, we all need to be inspired. No, at some point, mm-hmm. most of us have gone through, you know, the muck and the mire is what I call it. Right. I, you know, it's like we've, we hit the, the rock bottom I call mm-hmm. it crawling through molasses, and then we go. Okay, now what? How do we get? Mm-hmm. How do we get up and move forward? And some people mm-hmm. don't. They get stuck there. And so I mm-hmm. love that your audience mm-hmm. is already mm-hmm. tapping in to your show as a mentorship to go. Hey, if Kurt can do it, then I can do this. If Shay can do it, then I can do it. Absolutely. I'm in the process of myself right now, totally upheaving my my career, retiring after 28 years of being in a salon as a hairstylist, and I'm moving to Florida. And I have had so many people and say to me in the past probably two months, you've inspired me that if you can do Mm -hmm. it, I can do it. I can change too. And I was like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. People move every day, but they Mm -hmm. don't. But it, there's something freeing about being able to just redesign yourself and recreate yourself. So I love that you're absolutely you are offering that to your audience. And about a book, well, it just so happens I might know someone that can help you write that.
2: <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> wink, wink. All right, yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank
0: you. <laughs> so before we continue, I want the audience to really understand what is Moxie mm-hmm. and what is Moxie Talks.
2: So moxie is basically courage, grit, self-reliance, the ability to pick yourself up and dust yourself off. And one thing I always add when i <clears throat> ask asked that question is, is moxie is not always rainbows and puppy dogs. You know, right. moxie can come in the form of Adolf Hitler. It can come in the form of some really dark aspects of our human psyches. <clears throat> and <clears throat> what I did is, Originally, it was called Leadership Landscape TV and it was too mouthy and it got a bunch of people in the room. For the sake of time, I'll just say that we flipped it and changed the name of the program to Moxie Talk, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2016. If we pause this, can I get a cough drop? Yep. Yeah. So Moxie, in its simplest form, is courage, grit, the ability to dust yourself off when you get knocked around in life <clears throat> and to get back up. Two people can have the same thing happen to them. And they don't, one doesn't get up and the other one gets up, not only gets up, but does better than they did before. But what I always tell people is Moxie oftentimes is not all puppy dogs and rainbows. It can be really dark. You know, for example, Moxie can be Adolf Hitler. This particular individual thought they could take over the world and almost did it. So it doesn't always inspire, it can be dark, but what I always find and what I say to people is, and I'm getting off on a tangent <clears throat> is good always wins out over evil, but putting mm-hmm. that aside, cause that's a longer discussion. Yeah. So moxie talks are where I sit down with a person who I think meets a certain criteria or parameters <clears throat> has really done something extraordinary with their life and they've set themselves apart. You know, if they're a hairstylist, they're a hairstylist to really Hard to get access to people, for example. If they're a public speaker, they've done 4,000 public speaking events before they sat down with me. Or they're a former politician or, or recovering, or I shouldn't say recovering, a, <clears throat> a born-again Christian after being a prostitute. Those kind of stories really inspire me, or how someone comes over to America, can not speak a lick of English, and they've got four kids to feed and they learn how to speak English and then they make more money, and become wealthier than most people that have lived in America their whole lives. <clears throat> so that's the kind of person I look for. And I give them the Moxie talk questions in advance. Some of my journalist buddies uh, don't like that. I like that because the stories. So if I ask you, Shay, what's your most defining moment? You could probably tell me, mm-hmm. but if I give you six weeks, six days, six hours, you're going to come up with a really rich answer. And what I don't want, and I and I know if you're giving me a staged, coached, if you will, answer, and I don't allow for that, and that's just a little parlor trick I know how to do in my head. I get you to let all that go after a couple minutes. Very few guests do that. <clears throat> but I never want someone leaving the studio or a virtual taping going, ah, I wish, I, I wish I'd said this or that, because sadly – done 376 of these now and 26 of them, I think, are no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And so these these interviews, these moxie talks become these priceless gems. And as much as you'd love to believe that people watch your program and listen to it in mind, and we all want to believe that they do, sometimes the closest family member or friend of the deceased doesn't know it exists. Mm -hmm. And it's just human nature. They start to collect things, especially if things happen quickly. You know, they pass tragically and something unforeseen and they'll come upon it. And I'll, I'll have always made it a rule to go to <clears throat> the visitation if I could and almost invariably. And that's not why I do it. So I'm to be clear to the audience. It's not self-adulation here. Family member or friend will come up to me and say, wow, I can't thank you enough for having taped my mother or my friend. Mm. Uh, I didn't know all this stuff about him. What's 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 sad on one hand but fascinating on the other is we have all this technology and most people just don't ever think to tell their story. It just mm-hmm. doesn't really enter the human consciousness to sit down and document your story. I'm trying to change that one guest at a time, but it's it's really hard. And for some people, you know, when they see the questions, it can be really it can be very difficult to do self-examination for some people. They've been able to lead a life, whether it's had a lot of adversity or little. And they've been able to manipulate for lack of a better word, probably more themselves than the world. And they just don't want to, they just don't want to do the interview, but that's another question, I guess.
0: Well, you know, what you really touched on that I love is how <clears throat> the power of story is really a legacy that we're all leaving, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, with both of our shows, that's really what we're doing is just Mm -hmm. book and books too, right. We're leaving, Mm -hmm. we're leaving something uh, behind for the next generation, the next, the, maybe it's our family, friends, whoever to say, you know, to be able to glean and thrive Mm -hmm. from what we have gone through. So how did you get involved You know, when I read in your bio that you really Mm -hmm. enjoyed the power of a story at such a young age. So how did you where did that come from? Where did where that where did you get your moxie? Uh,
2: Well, um, it's kind of a twofold question. First off, I had a very eccentric childhood. My parents in a contentious divorce left each other when I was six. I went to be raised by my grandmother who was my mother's, excuse me, my father's mother and my father. And this was in the early 1970s and anyone of a certain age for a man to have full custody of his son in the early 1970s, this was just very unheard of. I don't know what happened. I've read the court case. I don't know how he and uh, my grandmother were able to do that. But for those of also a certain generation or who love old movies, if you know anything about the famous, uh, actress, Betty Davis. That was my grandmother. She was very, wow. very, uh, not only verbose, but just a presence. Mm-hmm. And so I was raised in a very loving, you know, one child kind of environment. I have a younger sister that was raised by my mother. And she would rent out rooms Keep in Midas, since the 1970s upstairs. She had a large home uh, here in Louisville. And she would invariably invite them down to sit with her, and they would smoke and drink, and and she'd let me sit in, and I would just listen. And you know, I'm like eight or nine years old. Keep in mind, this is no, there's no internet then, there's no, we don't have these things in our hands. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a sponge. Now, whether it's in my DNA, there's probably as I got older, I had an incident with my dad's um, business associate that helped him run a liquor store that my father owned in the 1970s now he's um, about to pass away he's got bladder cancer Mm -hmm. it's 1991 I'm roughly 23 years old I'm you know virile. there's a little more hairline here you know everything's chiseled up you know the life's the vista's wide everything's out in front of me and my dad goes to the bathroom and we already knew that he was not well we knew that he was sick and he leans up to me and I'll kind of try to do it for the camera he goes I want you to listen to me and I don't want you to say a word I'm like, what have I done? Did I get him upset or something? You know, and it's like he's using all the energy he's got you know, because he's on chemo and whatnot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he says, I want you to know that everything in this life is borrowed. You come in with nothing and you leave with nothing and everything in between is borrowed, even this body that I'm in. I'm going to be dead in two or three weeks and I don't want you to ever forget it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm like, and, you know, part of you is, I guess, it's the young male ego, you know, kind of like wrong with this old kook or whatever. But at the same time, it it never it just, it just like went in there and etched itself. Mm-hmm. And I got the call about three weeks later, came home from college, uh, and saw him in the fetal position. He couldn't talk anymore in the hospital, surrounded by his family. And he just stared at me like it was like, see, I told you. And I just it just something about that. And this was after an incident. Let me back up a little bit when I was 16. Um i try I'm gotten this down pretty good to where I don't get emotional, but I fell off a water tower from underage drinking, shattered my left ankle,
3: mm. the
2: tibia, amphibia. Mm-hmm. To this day, Shay, I do not know if I fell 30 feet, three feet. I could have been easily killed, mm-hmm. paraplegic, but I didn't end up in the graveyard. And I didn't, I didn't drink for four or five years after that. Going into college, it had such a profound impact on me. And I always remembered in the back of my mind, You know, and this can be the height of either self-awareness or self-importance, depending on your context. But I was like, there's a reason why I wasn't killed that night. There's got Mm -hmm. to be a reason why. Because everything I did was stupid. You know, it was the dewy grass. I'm wearing penny loafers for those who know. I'm climbing up and down a steel wet, Uh you know, uh, Jacob's ladder, no pun intended, on the side of a huge (laughs) water tower. I mean, I'm lucky I'm up to be here. And um I never forgot that. And then, of course, the story I told you about being borrowed. And so as I moved forward through life and I had a lot of adversity, financial predominantly in my 20s and 30s and some property lawsuit disputes between my uncle and father. And those were all tremendous. Ironically, or not ironically, poetically, all of those players in that cast are all gone now. Mm-hmm. And so I think about all the time and energy and scheming for lack of a better maneuvering that went into all of those chapters. And now all those people are gone. I'm better off having gone through it, but I wouldn't want to do it again. Yeah. And, and it's not a regret, but part of me is kind of going, wow, if I knew then what I know now would i have invested so much energy in trying to help other individuals in my family that it, I was trying to fix their mistakes. Not that I'm perfect, by like any stretch. And so, but I learned a lot from that. So I think I'll stop there right now.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that story. So I have to back up. So wait your your grandmother that you lived with is sure. the actress Betty Davis? Is that correct? Is that no, what you no, said? No, no,
2: no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I probably didn't, wasn't clear enough. She was very similar
0: ah, to Betty gotcha. Davis. Okay. Okay. Sorry, so, my apologies. No, that's okay because I I was even more enthralled with the storytelling, but what's so amazing is that generation our generation grandparents mm-hmm. really did sit around and and drink and play cards and told stories. And I think we mm-hmm. as observers had picked that up and realized it's become a lost art with all the technology and different things. Yes. Like that. today so i love Mm -hmm. that you are able to you know really recreate that and the story that you shared not only about your living with your grandmother but about your dad's passing and Mm -hmm. then your um I i don't even know what you call that what you went through when you fell off the water tower I'm guessing that we're kindred spirits because I was also uh, yeah. very very good at underage drinking we'll put it that way ah, yes, yes. Uh, I have a, a PhD in that somewhere I just don't know where I put it but <laughs> we <laughs> right, uh, right. I, that's yeah. why you have moxie yourself right because you've gone through mm-hmm. you know some things that really could you could have taken you a different direction. And then to see like, no, oh, yeah. I, I, I
2: think about that.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, I, you know, not to get on a soapbox or anything. And, you know, and everyone's problems, are relative. you know, a millionaire's business or her business. It's devastating. Right. But their life's going to go on. Somebody that loses a child in a car accident is far worse than what I'm about to say. But where I'm going with that is, and <clears throat> I just lost my train of thought. It was right there. It was right there. What was your question?
0: <laughs> I did not have I a promise question. You, I was I I promise you this is water. <laughs> the underage drinking. I was like, I didn't have yes. a question. So it was the underage drinking. And, um, you know, life could have taken a, taken us in a different direction. And instead, and you jumped in. Right. So. so,
2: yeah. No, my life could have taken a very different direction after that. Because I lost a lot of people that i thought were friends when i broke my ankle keep in mind i was 16 so <laughs> having fair weathered friends at that age is not uncommon at least in my generation but i just made a decision that i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna allow my own stupidity to own me and that's something that i you know i always say that moxie is it's debatable is it nurture or nature i would argue you gotta have the nature part so that when the nurture part happens, meaning your life experience more than being nurtured comes along and kicks you in that, you know what? <clears throat> you have that part of you to pull on. Because there was a lot of times where it was just me, you know, inside my head, there was no real great role model in my life. There was no, you well, know, usually in a in a family dynamic, there's there's kind of the rock, you know, there's somebody. Not every family, but in most you what's a normal family right it's another show but there just wasn't I looked around the landscape and every one of them had one like major character flaw you know and I'm young my my tapestry my my journey hasn't been done yet I'm I just got here right and so I really didn't have any good role models to call on and I just started to to, to kind of watch and observe other people and how they were able to do what I thought was fairly simple meaning have a stable life mm-hmm. um, and that's not simple for some people it can be very difficult and like tried to mimic them like you know I, I forced myself to go to college you know when I say forced everyone in my family went to college that's not it but I mean I could have easily you know dropped out for two years for monetary reasons. And everyone in my family was like, oh, my God, it's early 1990s. I'm like, I'm going to go back. Trust me. I can't just be, I, you know, why be there when I can't do anything that all the other people were doing? I mean, that you know, monetarily. So I dropped out and I came back and I was better off for it. So I think that's, I think that's good enough for now.
0: <laughs> well, it's so, again, I just have to say we're kindred spirits because I was 16 mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. When I got a DUI. Mm. And the next morning, I'll never forget, I woke up and I it was am a very spiritual person. And so mm. I woke so I woke up and I was like, okay, God, I get it. Like I'm screwing this life up. I'm done. You take it, you have it, you do with it what you want, because I've obviously screwed it up. So yeah, that's the whole stupidity piece mm-hmm. component to it. So yeah, there's something to be said about getting, uh, hitting that rock bottom. That you know it it can change you, and then you know I hit many more after that. <laughs> continued to
2: right. Oh you know, yeah, mean,
0: no. It oh, just I got cause chapters, get, <laughs> right? Just because you get one doesn't mean that's it. A one and done. Ooh. No, it's normally uh, one of no, my way. one of my new friends just said to me that he got sober in the installment plan. <laughs> And I love that because it, you know, it takes time. It takes years. It takes all kinds of.
2: I like to have to remember that.
0: Yeah. I thought that's really good because that's what happens in life, right? We we sometimes have lots of lessons to learn before we can move forward. So Mm -hmm. you went to college and then you got out of college. And then what happened? Did you go straight into starting your company or did you do something else and work for for a while?
2: So I've always, so back to the gentleman who's passed, told me that everything in life is borrowed. It it was a defining moment in that sense that psychologically that I began to look at life as a buffet. You know, I want to try this. I want to try that. Not to the point of um, self-termination. I can't think of the right word, you know, to where I would like self-harm or anything for others. I learned that lesson when I was 16. So I took a very unconventional path. So now I've got a college degree and I just decided in my head, you know, I want to go to California. I don't have an uncle there. I don't have a relative there. I don't have a distant friend that I went to college with there. And I want to go get in the movies. Kind of a classic thing at that time in America today. You can pretty much be a movie star and never leave your house. But that's another discussion. So long story short, uh, I waited tables. And through the 1990s, and then finally got my break, if you will, and and was doing commercial real estate and moved to Southern California in February of 1998, stayed out there for five years, did commercial real estate, mortgage banking, day trading. This is my finance degree from college. And then did some student films at UCLA. And I don't know, this is a terrible... Choice of words, but the dream had become kind of an abortion. I was living in a beautiful second floor, two bed, two bath apartment overlooking the ocean, and the rental payment was a mortgage payment. And I was lift, you know, at that point, I'm close to 30, I guess, roughly 31, 32. And I'm looking around the people in my complex. And for those of a certain generation, you'll you'll remember the series Melrose Place. It was kind of like that, but this, it, was, it wasn't. it was They weren't all beautiful people and models <laughs> or whatnot. But anyway, you know, and the, and the Internet was just starting to really come into its own. It's pretty Facebook. So I can set the stage for those that have not been in the world when there was no Facebook. Um, and, I, you know, I'm looking at the guy who's 60 years old, chasing women on the Internet, has a son who doesn't speak to him. I'm looking over here at this other guy who's using the money from the lady who's a widow and he lives with her and he's cheating on her with the lady at the bar, mm. and, you know, and I'm looking around and I'm going, this is going to be you in 20 years. This is going to be you, Kurt. Mm. You need to go home. You need to go home. Mm. And you know, it took me a long time to, pro- when I say long time, I'm talking several months, not like mm. six years or anything. Yeah. And then of course, 9-11 happened and I lived by Long Beach Harbor. And I think for anyone Similar to what COVID has done to this generation, I think every generation has a similar moment. Whether it's a world war or nine eleven, where it just makes you realize, okay, this is not going to last forever. This is not. This is not permanent. It's no guarantee you're going to get up tomorrow. And I'd already known that. I was like, you know, I don't need to be out of here anymore. And obviously, it was the best decision ever made to go. Shay, it was the best decision ever made to come back. Yeah. So in late O two, I came back, and for the next it'll be twenty years this fall, you know, yeah, that I've been home and, uh, you know, beautiful son, beautiful wife, beautiful home. And again, success is in the eye of the beholder. It's like beauty. So for some people that's something for others, it's, Oh, well, everybody does that. Well, no, but for me, that's, that's great. And, you know, starting this program. So I, obviously I made the right decision is my point. And And I can only imagine where it'd be now if I hadn't come home.
0: And how did you decide to start become an entrepreneur?
2: What's in my blood? I mean, my father built a. So, very quickly on my mother's side, I have two attorneys, two uncles that are attorneys, self what do you call it? What's the word they call it? Not proprietor. When they're their own attorney's office, it's like they're not working for, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, Kurt Shea and Jacobs law firm, you know, they're their own. I can't think of the term, but so they all work for themselves. Mm -hmm. And on my dad's side, his brother, was a lawyer who worked for himself. And then my dad was in real estate. And he worked for himself. So it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a DNA. You show me a law brief and I over after about three paragraphs. I'll read it. And I could probably understand it. I'm just like, can't you just say pass me the coffee instead of four paragraphs forgive give any of the lawyers that listen to this. But so I just didn't have that bent. Um, and so I was always trying to, to start things on the side and before they called it a side hustle, Shay, it was 2005, and you know I've been home two or three years, and was highly involved in an <clears throat> organization called the Young Professionals Association of Louisville. I'll try to keep this succinct. And I was getting the government access channel. Keep in mind this is before, right before the dawn of the explosion of social media. This is oh three, oh four, oh five ish. And I basically go to them, and I'm trying to. Cut this short as I can and say, hey, you know, I've got an idea for a show. I really love this program on TV called James Lipton Inside the Actors Studio. Mm-hmm. It's on Bravo. Yeah, those of a certain generation know all about it when you say it, and then there's others, unfortunately, now that don't right. know what I'm talking about. I'm and sure it's on YouTube
0: st- somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: and then I love the style, the delivery of Charlie Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, unfortunately, what he did off. All- Camera, you know, ended his show, and I was in the shower one morning, and I had this epiphany. I was like, "If you took <clears throat> the question format of James Lipton, the intellectual style of Charlie Rose, and put them together, but yet instead of it being actors, because those familiar with James Lipton's program, there was always actors, any walk of life, and at the time it was leaders, because my mind was focused on high-profile, yeah, uh, leaders." And so I went to the government access channel station manager and long story short, two hour dinner. He said, I'll give you a camera crew. If you booked a guest, it was almost like a dare. And, um, <clears throat> I said, you're on. So the first, I won't tell you the names cause you wouldn't probably know them. But the first taping taping—they're 15 minutes each. The first one started a huge nonprofit called Kentucky harvest. The Second one was the former mayor of Louisville. The third one was a, uh, Oh, gosh, think of like a a Malcolm X type person on a local level. So he's the guy that shows up when two people on the wrong side of the tracks end up in a really bad situation. He's the guy that shows up to console the family, so a community activist, if you will, or -hmm. or advocate. And then the last one was this female CEO who had started her own huge advertising agency. And so four total different walks of life. Yeah. And And that set the tone. And so, and then it went to 30 minutes about a year and a half later. And, you know, 11 years in, I saw the changing tastes of where it was going. And I said, you know, I hope I don't regret this when I'm going to get a bunch of people in the room and see what they see and see what I don't see and tell me what I need to see. And I was really worried they were going to fundamentally want me to change the approach to the show. Like, do you wear boxers or briefs? You know, those really glib kind of questions. Yeah. You know, do you like brunettes or. <laughs> or blondes or whatever. And it wasn't that. They said the name was too stodgy. It was too long. com. <laughs> so all those letters. And they were right. And so I challenged them and said, well, I need a name. I need a, something that encapsulates all these people. Yeah. You know, they're role models. They're, they're recovering and, you know, they better themselves and go on and on. They've all got influence. They may not be a traditional leader, but I need a word. And so, I'll never forget it. It's spring of 2016. I'm walking through Disney World with my then three-year-old and my wife. I get the email from the English lit person on the team with all the suggestions for words. And we had illusions and illuminations uh, with Kirk Jacobs. And then we had moments with Kirk Jacobs and those that know Delilah. I thought that was not going to work. It was too Delilah-ish. And that wasn't the style of the show. And then fireside, which I actually liked, one of the young people on the team said, you can't, I love how people think. They go, you can't use that word because if there's a biological chemical thing in the United States and you're invested in this brand, and, you know, something terrible happens and you're fireside, the rest of you know. And I was like, oh, okay, got it. I got it. Okay. I was just thinking FDR and a fire. But anyway, and I saw the word moxie and everything stopped when I was walking. Mm. Uh, and and like, the, like, I almost fainted. Because I knew what the word meant and it just hit me like a freight train. So I went to the back of the team and, you know, my wife thought someone had died. And I was like, no, it's a good thing. As we're walking through Disney World. And I said, let's float it for about 30, 60 days, you know, in casual conversations, see what people say. So basically anyone under the age of 30 had no clue about the word moxie. And anyone over 40, definitely over 50 at the time, knew what moxie meant. And long story short, the definition is about courage. but It was born out of a drink in the 1920s. Why they named it Moxie, I have no earthly idea. But it's a very—they say it's a very bitter-tasting soda. <clears throat> but I've got bought it. It's not—it's somewhat hard to find, I and mean, it's not like Sprite. You can just go to the grocery and find it on the shelf. You usually have to go to like a boutique type of uh, market. It tastes like a flat syrupy root beer, mm. and so. We got the slang the vernacular is it took moxie to drink the stuff you had to have like steel stomach and then that led to and somehow and this part i've never quite figured out and maybe you know Shay, but <clears throat> it, it tends to have an effeminate connotation meaning like it's more hmm. uh, geared towards female empowerment and i don't know where that came from i don't know if it's because the ie on the end maybe you know and I, I don't want to put you on the spot but uh You know, I think I've been able to weather that. I'll talk about that in a minute, but.
0: Well, there is a movie, uh, Moxie, and Mm -hmm. it's uh, about a woman, a lead woman, I think is kind of probably Mm -hmm. where it came from, that that uh, feminine energy around it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a lot of female energy on the show and on the team. (laughs) I'm I'm all about performance. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but, you know, can you do what I'm asking you to do? Can I do what you're asking me to do? I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you do in your free time. Again, I don't micromanage, but let me see where it was. So now we've renamed, rebranded, and we launched the brand, rebrand in the fall of 2016. We're 11 years in. And what instigated that, this is another defining moment, external, <clears throat> the internal one, when I fell off the water tower, was like I told you early on in the interview, if I had the ability, of a guest who's given their physical time and presence to be on our program. And it's within reason. And I can drive to it. I will go to their funeral, you know, Mm -hmm. if something happens to them. So here we are Catholic funeral, nothing Mm -hmm. against Catholics. I'm fiscal. They have very long funerals, very long. So here I am. I take my declining father, this particular guest that passed away from blood cancer.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, He was a love hate personality in town. Either loved him or despised him. <clears throat> and so now they're walking out. You know, the is there. They're taking the coffin out. And the tall eldest brother of the deceased and the son, eldest son of the deceased, and I'm not very tall to begin with, walk over to me and give me this huge bear hug, both of them. Mm. <clears throat> and they're very emotional. And I get emotional because I know my father's, you know, he lived another two and a half years from then. He's in his final chapters, and I have no idea what they're going to say. I just, you know, And I knew him. I knew of him. I didn't know him well. And uh, the oldest uh, brother says, you know, we watched your interview with our, my brother last night over and over over cocktails. And we can't thank you enough. That's the guy I will remember. So I get a little emotion. I look up and I see Jesus in the crucifix. <clears throat> and, of course, they go on and do what they need to do. And in that very moment, it was kind of on a cellular level. It was like, I don't know what just happened here, but something happened very profound. If if my gift to the world is the ability to do something I love that can have that kind of impact. And this guy was a really strong personality. He's not a guy that you could get to open up. And I was able to do that. I thought, I've got to figure out how to make this full time. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it. This is my thing, you know, a little bit later in life, you know. One could argue, because I guess at that point I was about, what, 45, 46. And so from then on, for the last, you know, however many it's been now, it'll be five and a half years, been doing it full time. Wow. So, and I can elaborate more, but that was the moment when I realized I need to leave commercial real estate. And this is what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: So how, first of all, I love that you found your purpose and your calling, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. literally what it is. So for our listeners are mostly leaders and sure. the military uh, and business world, right? And so they might be in the, at that space in time of their own life that they're, now it's time to transition. Maybe it's their own an employee and they've been kind of hinted to or whispered to is how I kind mm-hmm. of call it. They've been whispered to about maybe it's time to leave their job and start a business, mm-hmm. or maybe it's literally get, they're getting ready to retire from the military and transition out and now move into um, civilian life into a new role. So what advice would you give them as far as everything that you've learned mm-hmm. about the different transitions that you've done?
2: Well, I have my own personal piece of advice, and it's a question I asked all of our guests. And it goes like this. It's lead the life you want, and you will live the life you need. And that's the first one. You can read into that what you want. So it's lead the life you want, and you will live the life you need. I have a real simple rule when I have to make major decisions. And it's I kind of visualize them. I'm 85 years old. I'm laying in the nursing home. I'm counting the tiles on the ceiling. You know, obviously, we all want to live. At least I didn't love to live forever. I just wanted—I'd love to see how it plays out. And I go, if I don't do X, will I feel this? Mm-hmm. If I do do X, will I feel this? I don't overthink it. I go with the very first gut response, and if it's within reason, I'll try to make it happen. You know, if it, you know, you know, it took me six years to get to California. You know, so I mean, it's, some of those things are not overnight things they take you know it's a it's an insidious Mm -hmm. kind of you know step by step crawl before you can walk kind of thing so you know i don't want to give the glib answers like do what makes you happy because you would like to think everyone would try to do that but i you know and also that it's it's hard sometimes to not disappoint others when you're trying to do something to make yourself happy and i wouldn't say don't worry about that just be cognizant of it uh, that if it's something you have to do <clears throat> deep down and you know, it's important then you got to go do it, whatever that might be. You know, I personally don't have a military background. So my hat's off to anyone that's, that's willing to pay the potential ultimate sacrifice, especially in a volunteer, <clears throat> excuse me, what I would call ecosystem. You know, no one's mandating that they be there, at least not in 21st century, early, early 21st century America. <clears throat> I find that astounding. Uh, that in and of itself, as a form of oxy. So, I hope those two things might help.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, Kurt, we've had an amazing conversation. I love, sure. I love learning about you and and the the path that you're on. Because we all have thank a path too. of how we got there. So, thank you for sharing all that. Mm-hmm. So, I just have a few more questions before sure. we wrap up. So how do people connect with you? Where do you want or where do you want people to go to maybe leave you a message or find your um, show?
2: Well, it's, it's, I have a fairly unique spell, kind of like you, Shay, a fairly unique spelled first name, Kurt, K-I-R-T. So if you were to just type in my first and last name, <coughs> excuse me, Kurt Jacobs, you would find most of the uh, links I'm about to tell you. But we're on all the major podcast platforms. We have a fully built-out website, and That's M-O-X-I-E-T-A-L-K.com. And our YouTube channel is, is really uh, frothy now. We've gotten, I guess, of this taping about 915 uploads. <clears throat> and what I've done is I've taken each Q&A out of every interview we've ever done. And every 12 hours, you know, the terminology that you like to do, we drop it uh, onto the channel. And I literally have right now about another year's worth of that, you know, every 12 hours just in the in the pipeline and it's all done. So uh, there's a tremendous content arsenal built there with a lot of blood, sweat and tears in a good way. And it always amazes me. Shay, You could probably relate to this. uh, How 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 much work goes into two talking heads to make an end product look good (laughs) and sound good. It, it never ceases to amaze me. And then I look at a show like Game of Thrones and I, go, oh, I don't even know how you do that <laughs> you right? Know, with all the CGI and whatnot. But, yeah, we're on. I mean, it's and then if you want to just personally email me, it's Kurt, K-I-R-T, at MoxyTalk.com.
0: Awesome. So a little, a little fun fact about me. I actually have mm-hmm. a brother with the same, had a brother with the same name, Kurt, who is K-U-R-T. Mm. And most people, there you go, s- spelled it with a C. Well,
2: I get Kirk all the time.
0: I bet, Kirk, I bet, Kirk? I bet, <laughs> because of the and people I.
2: know me twenty years. I'm like, yeah, And I'm like, you know me twenty years. You know there's a T on the end, but what are you right. do you mean?
0: right. Well, you've shared so much with us, so I'm just curious, what would be, what would be your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for?
2: Well, obviously this body of work, you know, I have a child, so you, know, you want to believe that there's, there's always going to be a piece of you living here because I passed it on, <clears throat> assuming that he has children. And so, But I think the legacy is, you know, I believe my purpose is to make people think about their humanity and not in a religious way or a structured way. It is absolutely to me remarkable to be a human being. We have a lot of foils. We have a lot of inadequacies uh, as a species. And that's another discussion. We're not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I don't know that I want to be a cockroach. I don't know that I want to be a worm. <laughs> I don't know that I want to be some of the other mammals on the planet, but this is what I'll offer out. And I've said this in some of uh, the interviews with the religious people. I've had archbishops on and whatnot. I'm like, Whatever's going on in this little rock that's floating out in the middle of nowhere, we are either totally inconsequential, and it's a total fluke of biology, which I personally don't believe, not because it makes me feel good at night. I just said too many things happen in my own Mm -hmm. short, personal human journey as a little speck on this rock to believe that that just didn't happen because it just happened. There's a reason. Right. Um, Or we are that absolute miracle. Because, you know, there's not the orange race on Mars. There's not the whatever race on Venus. As far as we know, there's no other organized life that has the power of reason that we can understand anywhere near us, except on this little planet. And then we only occupy a certain part of it. Because, you know, the vast majority of it's water. So that has to be something from a higher power to me. Mm-hmm. So if you, so when you, yeah, there's 7 billion of us roughly as it's taking mm-hmm. And there'll be billions more, hopefully. And there's been billions before we got here. But it is absolutely amazing that this thing that's made out of whatever comes from the earth that you and I are in, this vessel, but yet you and I have all these feelings. We have this power of reason. We have memory. I could go on and on. We have all the, you know, everything you see in the built environment. This is my real estate mind work at was a, It was all a thought at one point, mm-hmm. piece of artwork, piece of furniture. This ability, this thing, this internet where you and I aren't in the same room. Someone had to figure out how to make that work so you and I could do what we did tonight. You got to go on for an hour. You walk in a grocery store and there's an ointment for this, that, and the other thing. You know, somebody at some point had to think all that up. And Mm -hmm. that's fascinating You think about it. It just, you know, and I I just think sometimes we get caught up in our own. And it's understandable. I've done it. I got to pay the mortgage oh god somebody hit my car you know Mm -hmm. oh gosh you know my wife's doing this or whatever you know
3: yeah
2: not to get into the drama part of life but just remember when that stuff happens that you know you're not trust me life will remind you whether it's health-wise or an event you know you'll find out hopefully later than sooner that you're not here forever and you and you got to make the most of the time that you've been given and and hopefully use the god-given gifts that you've been given and you know, sadly, a lot of us, for a variety of reasons, either dilute them or don't, or subjugate them, or we don't. We don't have the opportunity to, to to elevate them for a variety of reasons in our life. But for those that do, or think you have something that you haven't done, go do it.
3: Mm. You, know, we,
2: you know, get busy, I t- hangs them out, it's Get busy living, or get busy dying. Mm. That's from Shaw Shaw Shank Redemption, the nineteen ninety four movie. Because I, I never did yeah. forget that either. So.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you, Kurt. Thank you so much for Absolutely. allowing me to be the first <laughs> host yes. to interview you. So thank you. Thank for you. That.
2: Thank you so much. Shane. All the best to you and best of luck with your future endeavors and building out your brand as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: And I I know you mentioned it just a little bit ago, but I always like to leave with this question. So it might be something totally different and that's okay. What phrase scripture or mantra are you living by right now?
2: Oh, well, I have it on my desk behind you. You can't see it's go big or go home. There you go. It's go big or go home, which means You want to look back at your life and go, you know what? It may not have been pretty. It might have been a hot mess or it might have been messy in parts, or maybe all of it was a hot mess, but man, I wouldn't change a thing.
0: Mm. Well, and to that, I will end with, we are all a hot mess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Amen, sister. Yes. So true. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Well, thank you, Kurt, for being here.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Shay. appreciate it.
0: And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People. And if you took notes, because I'm sure you did, because Kurt's amazing, he dropped some knowledge nuggets for you, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And until next time, let's get fired up.
1: Hey, everyone. This is Trip Odenheimer, host of the Shadows Podcast. Each and every one of us has a shadow. We understand that our shadows are products of our upbringing and obstacles we face. To so tune in to hear our guests discuss every week how they turn their trials and tribulations into triumphs and success stories. They embrace their shadows, and that's exactly what we do here at The Shadows. We face them head on. We have a diverse group of guests ranging from athletes, military members, actors, actresses, authors, and entrepreneurs, and just regular everyday people. Head over to TheShadowsPodcast.com for all new episodes. Episodes drop every Thursday. You may be saying to yourself, I don't have a story, but you're wrong. Everybody's got a story to tell. At The Shadows Podcast, proud member of the William Charlie Network.